Welcome to Shortcut to Sunday. I'm Ben. And I'm Bruce. And this is your podcast for June 6th, 2021. Uh, the second Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, uh, proper five. Uh, we, we, we get to feel... Year B. In year B. Yeah, yeah. We get... But proper five, we get to feel as though we skipped ahead in time. Uh, we didn't. That's uh, right. We didn't. It's still it's still zooming by. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it is it, it, proper five is where we start in the season after Pentecost, essentially after Trinity Sunday. Um, and, and that's because uh, Easter falls on a different day each year, and yep. so yep. you know it's roughly four weeks later than it could have been. Right, and uh, we are coming to you not live on behalf of Holy Family Episcopal Church in Fishers, Indiana. Bruce, I didn't even get a chance to just to say how are you. I'm uh, doing okay. Very good, very good. <laughs> uh, we we, we had, finished. had fun actually getting to watch the Indy 500 on live on TV. Uh, did you get blacked to watch? out in Indianapolis? Yeah. Well, I admit I slept through the middle part. But <laughs> You woke up and someone well, it was, was Sunday afternoon. The I am a cleric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. Um, uh, it, partial attendance uh, it apparently lifted the blackout restrictions, uh, so that was good. Yeah, they sold out every ticket they could sell since they were at forty percent attendance. Yeah, so uh, I did not watch. I, did, I didn't. I didn't get a chance to watch, but uh, I heard Helio uh, won his fourth. Is that correct? Yeah. Is that the, yeah, I I literally woke up when they had like twenty five laps to go, which goes very quickly. Oh yeah, and, yeah. So I got to see the end of it. That's the that's the time to start watching. <laughs> like like the fourth quarter I, of a basketball I, I'm game. Sorry, I, I'm sorry I missed the when one of the front runners wheels came off when he came out of the pits. But that's did, just because it did was that such really a bizarre happen? occurrence. Yeah, yeah. The poor guy. And the pit crew apparently didn't tighten it enough. Oops. And so it just spun off when he was speeding up. I mean, I, I, I would not uh, dare to think that I could do that job at all. No. So <laughs> that sucks. I, I know that's a, it, it seems like a pretty glaring error, but like, I mean, I, I, I've, uh, I've actually visited the, um, I think it's the race car. It might be the NASCAR Hall of Fame in Charlotte. Um, yeah, that'd be NASCAR, I believe. But uh, but they had a pit crew experience, and and I imagine while there's differences, there's probably uh, a lot of similarities. And no way, there's no way that, like <laughs> you could like test your ability to 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 do a a tire, and it was like no, no, this is not. <laughs> Yeah, it was not for me. I worked in a in a service station for a few years in my um, late teens, early twenties, and you know, a car on a lift with all the time in the world, it was still hard to get that wheel on just right and get all the lugs tightened yeah. just right. Uh, yeah, so I have full admiration for the pit crews. Yeah, absolutely. Let alone spilling the gasoline right into the tank and. 10 seconds or less right and if i'm not mistaken there was a there was another there, there was a there was a first this year wasn't there the first all-female team yeah uh, yeah that, that was a that was a new thing so that was pretty cool um mm -hmm. but uh but yeah 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 I, and what was really nice is to read in the after race coverage is how welcomed they were by the other teams and supported and uh, I, I thought that was a really nice sign, since that has not always happened in the history of sports when Very women true. have entered into formerly all male domains. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that was that was uh, kind of cool to see. Um, mm -hmm. I say see, I didn't watch it, but uh, uh, I actually did get a chance to see during uh, some of the trial uh, uh, time trials uh, them operating in their pit crew. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. But uh, so, anyways, uh, let me shift gears to your person of the day. Um, so this person has a longer name option, like they're like it's it, okay. It's not like an necessarily. It's kind of like an AKA on the title. I'm just going to give you the part of the, uh, one of the variations of the name because I very much like. Um, <laughs> Fair I like enough. it. <laughs> Uh, but the the date for you to have in your head 
is the, the only date uh, that's available is that this person died in 672. That's the only date that we know for sure. Okay. So I don't have a birth uh, year. Yeah. Uh, this person is Chad. <laughs> well, he was known as the evangelist to the San Fernando Valley. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. And he, his companion was Buffy, of course. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. But yeah, sure. because we're sexist, she did not get remembered in the Book of Saints. Right, right, uh, yeah, absolutely. Even though she did most of the work. Um, yeah, she yeah did all the recording of his letters and his doing his dry cleaning and all that. Right. Uh, <laughs> I want to say Chad was a, a bishop who was martyred. He was a bishop. Uh, I don't have that he was martyred. Okay. I don't think so. Let me reread this. No, I don't. I it does not have a martyrdom uh, uh, section to his his uh, his name. So the full uh, title for his entry is Chad or Cieda uh, C E A D D A. Yeah, huh? I don't know. Cieda, Bishop of Litchfield, and yes, one of the one of the reasons why I uh, chose to present him this way as just Chad, uh, he's remembered for his simplicity, piety, and devotion to duty. And so, one of the ironies here is that his entry is like only four sentences long. So, uh, <laughs> that's all he got. <laughs> being remembered for simplicity uh, clearly carried all the way through. Um, he was one of Aiden's students in Lindisfarne. Yeah. L- L- mm-hmm. Lindisfarne? Sure. Yeah, you got, you got that right. Uh, okay. Uh, around 165, he was consecrated as Bishop of uh, Mercia. Uh, and then he moved to Litchfield, one of the more popular saints in English history, and he's commemorated uh, on March second for the Episcopal calendar. Like that's his entry. That's all it says well, about yeah. it. Yeah, it's it's far enough back that there's not a lot of written records, and I believe. Uh, no, I won't even go there because I could be absolutely 180 degrees wrong. But well, I say if you present it with enough authority, it will it will be true. That that's and that's why I'm not going to say. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he played third base for the Yankees very early. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure. I mean, it could be it could be totally correct that that, that was Chad. Um, but uh, but so so um, let me ask you then, because uh, it sounded like you verbally nodded along uh, for the first statement. One of would. What does that mean if he was one of Aiden's students in Lindisfarne? Aiden was one of the earliest missionaries to the British Isles. Okay. And he established Lindisfarne as a spiritual center for Christians Hmm. and instructing. And and there were very few Christians in Britain then. So he was basically minting them there. Hmm. And so the... I'm not sure how they figured out who should be then sent out, you know, whether what the qualifications were or anything like that. But yeah, so he was one of those that Aiden felt had the gifts mm-hmm. to be sent out to spread Christianity through the British Isles. So yeah, Aiden, and so Aiden's even more famous than Chad. Okay, okay. So uh uh Mercia. He was consecrated as Bishop of Mercia. Do you have any uh, idea as to where about is that? Is that also the British Isles? Do we? Do you yeah. have an idea as to where? I'm almost sure it's in. The, yeah, it's in the British Isles, but I don't know where. Okay, and then he moved to to. Uh, let's see. He moved to Litchfield, uh, which I thought was a prison, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, um, I assume that's also actually. I'm I'm looking it up here. Um, um, I assume that's also in uh England. Okay, the West Midlands is where Litchfield yeah, yeah. is. Okay, okay. Oh wow. Okay, so uh, uh, sure. Be sure to take uh a 
trip on Google search to see the Litchfield Cathedral. Oh. Holy cats, this place is cool. I think that's moss growing on the outside or, or, or vines or something. That is a really cool... Yeah, no, it's just ornate uh, decoration. This this picture is a lot more clear. Um, <laughs> it, it did. It looked in the one worst podcast like was... ever. You discovering things <laughs> on Google images <laughs> and inaccurately describing and it. inaccurately describing it. It's about four feet high. Uh... <laughs> well, people were much shorter than much much shorter than. <laughs> Four feet high, but still ten stories tall. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is tiny little restrooms. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, it, a lot of cool imagery, both on the exterior and interior. So if you uh, if you have a moment for a uh, a, a trip into um, a Google search. Uh, what a cool place! There's uh, all these statues uh, out, uh, like outline the facade of the front of the cathedral, and I'm trying to figure out if these are they look like saints, um, uh, and then apostles at the bottom. Interesting. So very very cool uh, architecture, which is not done any justice, as Bruce pointed out on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so Ch- yeah, Chad of Chad of Litchfield, I. I I um, chose him because of his simplicity. It was the when, what a what a great simple name and what a great simple entry to the uh, to, to the glossary uh, uh, there. Um, but uh, yeah. again, uh, chose him because I had some some questions. Uh, 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 not much is said about him uh, except that, that his date of death and that he was a student and a bishop, and that was about it. That wasn't yeah. It, it was. Yeah, it was a time when Christianity re- was just taking hold, uh, or not even taking hold, that's too strong a word, was just starting in the British mm-hmm. Isles. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have a lot of written records and what was the, not a lot of physical okay. artifacts. It's a, it's a not not quite an uh, unknown period, but it's one where it's, knowledge is a lot scarcer than other parts of the like in the Mediterranean where everyone was writing about everything. Mm-hmm. And so we know an awful lot of how Christianity developed in Greece and stuff like that. Gotcha. What, uh, what, what was in uh, the British Isles uh, at the time? Um, largely. Well, pagan that's fast. That's a fascinating topic all unto itself. But quick answer is um, some Roman spirituality. Because mm-hmm. the Romans had controlled the British Isles, um, but it seems like the archaeology shows that even the Romans that were there seemed to like the local pagan religions better. Hmm. So yeah, it was primarily uh, nature-based spirituality. Hmm. Interesting. Later, be- later evolved into the Druids, okay. but they weren't quite Druids yet. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very cool. Well, let's uh let's move on from Chad uh, and uh, over to our lectionary readings uh, for the week. Um, uh, I think I think it would be interesting to to point out to the listenership that uh, uh, oftentimes we do get um, options for uh, Sundays and. Uh, the this season there's a um an optional 10 week reading like almost successional reading from uh Samuel from first and second Samuel uh and um would be would be potentially interesting as a uh, as a more of a bible study um yeah kind of a kind of a thing it kind of seems like a book study uh um but it does jump around a, a fair amount. And as, as Bruce had pointed out to me before we started recording, um, uh, a very similar recurring theme in, in first and second Samuel. Uh, so uh, it becomes a little bit repetitive, uh, which is one of the reasons I think why we're, we're shying away from that route and going with the options, which allow us to bounce around. Uh, but, but uh, if you're looking for extra credit of which uh, we hand out none, um, uh, <laughs> 
You'll get three weeks free. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You get a bonus week of season after Pentecost. Um, uh, uh, Look at look up the uh, the optional readings uh, for these different weeks. Uh, Some some. We we also don't delve into Samuel quite as as often as one would think. Uh, um, uh, so there's there's a if you read one of these passages, you'll kind of get an idea as to the overall theme that will kind of be then driven home like a hammer and nail uh, for ten weeks. <laughs> well, I, okay, you're dissing Samuel more than I. <laughs> that that's fair. I, I should point out that 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 Bruce did not uh, uh, put such emphasis. <laughs> on repetition <laughs> yeah it's it it's essentially the story of samuel was the prophet david was the king and in <laughs> well david lived a very up and down life in terms of his ethics and faithfulness and samuel was the one who kept having to call him back to the straight and narrow so it's it's actually I think better to sit down and read first and second Samuel as if you were reading a novel because, mm-hmm. and it, it's really difficult to chop that up into, you know, four minute segments once a week. You, you right. just lose the narrative flow. Right. But it's very, it, it's very well written, edited and, pre- and presented in English translations. Yeah. Yeah. So, so perhaps, uh, Maybe that would uh, maybe mark it down in your calendar, Bruce, for uh, uh, three years from now, doing a <laughs> doing a book study, kind of like on the side during the season uh, that could run yeah, parallel. Maybe, yeah, maybe so. Uh, that that could be kind of a kind of a fun thing to do and and, and read it kind of like a book club. Hmm. I mean, we call them Bible studies, but it's a it's it's still a book club. It's the same. Kind it really of deal. is same kind of the deal. original book club. <laughs> We were saying to call it a scroll club back then. The, the scroll, scroll and tablet club uh, way back when. Um, but uh, our first reading this week is actually, uh, uh, again, no offense to Samuel, uh, but uh, going to be from Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 through 15. Uh, and, and obviously, I should also uh, throw out the, with the possibility of some people listening to this and then not attending the church service at Holy family. Yeah. Uh, uh, absolutely. No, no offense intended to uh, anybody who does choose the Samuel readings. Uh, that's uh, right. Uh, there are uh, good reasons to go either direction. Absolutely. Mine are better, but <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's, that's, that's what I was going for. That's what I wanted to capture on, uh, <laughs> on recording. No. In, in, in all seriousness at Holy family, we have, a number of people that are there every week, but really the attendance pattern is three Sundays a month instead of four. And so to do a continuous reading, people would miss out. And so it makes right. more sense to have freestanding ones during the vacation seasons. Right, right. Absolutely. Um, For so, Holy Family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, um, we'll re- pick up here Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. And end on uh, verse 15. They heard the sound. Yeah, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Okay. All right. Uh, yes. Yes, that is what I have. What's uh, <laughs> lying? <laughs> I, I, I famously don't, like, maybe it shows on the podcast. I, I don't pre read these uh, in the hopes that it strikes me uh, yeah, as I'm fresh. reading fresh what my questions are. Uh, so I did have to double check just to make sure that's what I was. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, was, yeah. The word serpent, the woman. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're, that's where I'm at. Um, <laughs> uh, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent tricked me, and I ate. 
the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you among all animals and among all wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Um, how, uh, how like, uh, man to be like, uh, yeah. <laughs> not only is it not my fault, uh, but it's really like pretty bold of the guy to be like, uh, it's actually, you know, the, you know, the thing that you did. Yeah. Right. Was, it's kind of <laughs> your fault really. When you think about it, uh, <laughs> um, uh, I didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't me. It was the the woman that you gave me. Uh, she gave mm-hmm. it to me. And I ate it. Uh, so you gave me a defective model. <laughs> mm-hmm. Should still be under warranty at this point. Right. Let's what start a over. Jerk. <laughs> what yeah. A jerk. Totally throws her under the bus and tries to throw God under the bus as well. Right. Uh, uh, so so right at the gate. There's, this is not a. This is not an approach of penance. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> no. this is an approach of blame game like right at the gate like like yeah 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 i did this i did this it's really this person's fault though um mm-hmm. and uh in a in a small way i think that uh the reading does a little bit of a disservice because it kind of seems like uh, uh the way that the uh, reading is structured it ends with kind of the curse falling on the head of the serpent. Uh, there's this line of like, uh, you will strike his heel as kind of like a, there will be a little a bit of tit for tat in this relationship of, of pain and suffering. But it kind of seems like the way it's edited that like, oh yeah, it, it's the serpent's fault. We all agree. But there's some, there's some punishment for uh, the man and the woman uh, as well, obviously famously. So it's kind of interesting that, that we, uh, chose to um, uh, cut it off there, um, but uh, I'm trying to think of um, like the, the 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 blame just kind of flowing downhill, um, and and then if I remember the structure correctly, God uh, uh, doles out punishment than starting at the bottom of that hill and working its his way up like okay yeah. you blame the serpent all right here's what's going to happen to you serpent and then on to the to the woman and then and then the man nobody gets yeah. off light uh, in, in this situation right and one of the things to keep in mind that may sound odd to some people is that this was not written to be a historic account. Mm. Later, much later, but, <laughs> I was, no, I won't say, I was going to say something very pejorative about the whole situation. Um, people did start to take it as literal history. And when you do that, then essentially the blame does fall on God because God set all this up. In other words, you, you agree with Adam. Mm-hmm. If you say this is the historic record and really how this was seen for a couple thousand years, at least was as a metaphor for the human condition. Mm-hmm. And okay. The, the easiest equivalent to come up with for modern Americans is people saying, if I only had a million dollars, my life would be fine. I have no bills, yada, yada, yada. Right. This is the spiritual equivalent where if only I had all, if only I knew as much as God did, then my life would be perfect. And Mm. here Adam and Eve know everything God does and their life gets worse. Right. So it's to cut off that incorrect construct that if only we were like gods, then our lives would be so much better. And instead to, and therefore it will free us, to really live out our human lives, which have so many wonderful things about them. And therefore we should not be 
saying the grass is greener on the other side of the divine fence. That's a that's that's interesting uh, because yeah that that would that does kind of kind of kind of drives the nail in the into that point of like like you're not this is not going to this is not the goal of becoming gods yourselves um, right so don't 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 worry about that you you worry you do you you worry about you yeah <laughs> well and if you look at the history of world religions. And it continues through to this day. There are so many, small and large, that have as their spiritual goal becoming either a god or godlike. Hmm. And so this was not an, uh, a small thing to address. This was huge at the time that it first started to, the, the metaphor first started to be pondered. And to this day, where we have... Again, world religions of various sorts, some calling themselves Christian, that basically say if if you do this, that, and the other thing, just like we tell you to do, then you become a god, or you become godlike, or you become an angel, which we don't do when we die. We just are wonderful dead people get to live in heaven. Uh -huh. um, you know, we don't get promoted to a higher spiritual function or role. Uh, angels are their own thing. We always want to have this ability to get to the top. And a big part of the Adam and Eve story is saying, no, you can't handle it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's a... Uh, um, it is interesting, though, that the, the, the way that this is structured, uh, uh, God... Um, God interacts with uh, Adam and Eve in a very normal uh, human style, uh, almost Jesus walking the earth kind of style yeah. experience. Like it, it, it implies. Uh, well, it, I shouldn't even say it implies. It says, uh, "Lord God was walking in the garden," uh, uh, and um, Adam hears the sound of him uh, um, in the garden, and so. It, uh, it implies kind of a, a physical, almost human style presence uh, in, in this narrative, which is kind of an interesting, interesting concept. Is that to further, perhaps to further the idea that um, uh, for the purpose of the narrative, like Adam and Eve attempting the same level uh, yeah. of, of, of equal here uh, and, and not being able to handle it or. Yes. Because I, I was, I would imagine if it were our modern concept of, of God and a you know a booming voice or a a, a a flame of fire or something like that, like if that thing tells me not to do something, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think a serpent uh, is gonna like talk me out of <laughs> you know. Not doing yeah. what the flame, the, the 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 pillar of flame <laughs> has commanded me. I'd be like, uh, no, remember those Israelites wandering through the wilderness with Moses? Mm -hmm. They had the pillar of flame, and they they still grumbled. I, I mean, I get it. I mean, I I, I hear you. I, I don't I don't understand that. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a, a naturally fearful person. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I don't think I would get to the point where I'd be like, yeah, but that that pillar of flame's been there for like, I don't know, like 90 yeah. days. Like, what's it well, going to do? You know, it, it was 40 years. It was, right. I, I was born under that pillar of flame. What, what's it mean to me now? It's the same right. old, same old. It never, it never does anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. All does right. it really have any power? Yeah, I think it does. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to be, I would not be the Israelite to go and check, like test that theory. Well, I was going to, yeah, the, the Israelite, here, hold my beer. Right, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. can jump that on my motorcycle. Right, exactly. Yeah, that would not be me. I, I just no. don't have that daredevil trait, I guess. Maybe that's just, uh, maybe that's just me. But, um. What what else about this passage? Because as you as you kind of pointed out, it's not it's it's not intended to be a historical record. This is not right. a 
This is not it's much a, more like, a reflection on the human condition. Right. Uh, reflection, and, and perhaps uh, it goes along with the um, early expl- creation explanation. Like for... for mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's part of a series of what we might call just so stories of how did things come to be? Mm-hmm. And again, not as historical records, but rather as a this is what our condition is today. Mm-hmm. And here are some reflections on it. And like the Noah story, the big things in the punchline of God promising never to wipe out the earth again. In Adam and Eve, it's interesting. Um, you may have heard me say this again, anyone listening to this, because it's one of my favorite dispelling concepts. In Christianity, because of St. Augustine, this has been labeled original sin. Mm-hmm. Within Judaism, it's usually labeled as original provision. Because hmm. even though the people did the, the one thing they were not allowed to do, God doesn't smite them, but instead clothes them, teaches them how to feed themselves, make sure that they're okay. You know, he, it's the original provision for their lives. Mm-hmm. And so that's the lesson that we really should be taking from this, is that even if we screw up, you know, we can never screw up as much as Adam and Eve did and lose paradise. And God still took care of them in a loving way. Mm-hmm. And therefore, in our own lives, we shouldn't stress about whether or not God is mad at us or not. If you know, God does not punish. In you know, when something bad happens to us, it's not because God is punishing us. God had the chance to do that to Adam and Eve and chose not to. Yeah, that's a good. That's a that that's a really good point. And it's interesting to to to. Um learn that the some of the concepts that we have uh handed down to us are just been from um you know spiritual thought provokers uh yeah. over, over the, the the eons um and uh and that's that that's kind of where that that comes from um i like the idea that it's the original provision and i can kind of see that um, yeah, um, and it really makes more sense in terms of it being relevant to the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, it seems to that seems to mesh a lot more with the than than the oh yeah the, the Old Testament is this angry vengeful God and yeah. the New Testament is this happy go lucky kind of guy. <laughs> and with and with the, with the Hebrew Scriptures, often the places where God can be called angry and vengeful is to play play off the one true god against the made-up gods of the surrounding civilizations who were extremely um unpredictable and violent Mm -hmm. and anything bad happening it was because you pissed off the wrong god so you better go make the right sacrifice so those stories usually have to do with refuting what the one true God is really like to keep people from carrying over from their superstitions, interpretations of how life is working and what God is up to. Hmm. So there's a, there's so many passages where God says, yeah, I do have the power to kill that group of people, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Whereas in the other religions around them, I have the power to kill those people. And that happened three minutes ago. Did you miss it? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's, that would, that would be kind of an interesting side by side comparison of Mm -hmm. the the gods of the time. So anything else? And as we, as we get more squirrels and tablets found by archeologists, it's easier and easier to do that. Hmm. I mean, Anything records else? of other religions. Anything else about this uh, Genesis reading? One last thing. Um, in the English translation, they often put at the end of the 
verse 8, I think it is. Yeah, near or at least in the middle of verse 8. Um, I'll just read the portion I'm thinking about. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. In Hebrew, the first word is in the breeze. Hmm. So that echoes so many places, Old and New Testament, where God is heard in the wind. Hmm. So it, it's just one of those, I mean, it, it's trivial in, in many, many ways. But even as there's this conversational piece that is depicted, if this starts out with the quality of God that has already been established in the book of Genesis in creation of God moving over the waters in the form of a breeze. So this is to remind us that this is part of a continuity of story. It's not supposed to be a standalone story. And that perhaps really what Adam was physically hearing was the evening breeze moving through the trees and correctly starting a prayerful conversation with God. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But again, that's kind of trivial. It doesn't shift the meaning of the story. Just yeah, it's not puts it into the big picture. Yeah. Very cool. Well, let's move to our second reading. Second uh, Corinthians chapter four, verse thirteen, all the way to the first verse of chapter five. But just as we have the same spirit of faith that is in accordance with the scriptures, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will all raise us also with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. Yes, everything is for your sake, so that grace as it extends to more and more people may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affection, or sorry, affliction, very different word, uh, for this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure, because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. For what we know that, for we know that if the earth earthly tent we live in is destroyed we have a building from god a house not made with his hands eternal in the heavens um first i like that that phrase uh, an earthly tent um yeah uh which is uh um provides uh shelter and comfort but is very temporary and and movable uh as well um, so kind of like this trend gives us this transient uh, notion. Um, one of the, one of the things that's always hard to read about, uh, for, for Paul, I don't know if it's, I know it's, it's based on the way that he writes, but in a way it's also based on the way that it's translated, because as we've pointed out many times before, punctuation is added after the fact, there's no, there's no punctuation right. in the original writing and man, they put a lot of commas in these things. Uh, <laughs> Yes. yes, because you do. like start to you start to read it, and you're like, "Wait a minute, that's not like an aside." The way that we use the comma there, like, so I'm trying to figure, like, especially verse 15, like breaking down how those commas play within each other is near impossible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just looking at the Greek, and it's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Because it I mean, says it's not nuts, but yes, yeah. comma everything is for your sake, comma so that grace, comma as it extends to more and more people, comma may increase thanksgiving. At another comma to the glory of God, it seems like two or maybe even three of those don't need to be there. <laughs> but that's I suppose that's all beside the point. Um, I, I so my first question is there there's there is a quotation here. Uh, and again, punctuation added uh, uh, after the fact. But in verse 13, the phrase, I believed and so I spoke, um, uh, it seems to be a reference to uh, a piece of scripture. 
where is that uh, coming from? Where is Paul referencing this? Psalm 115. Okay. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't feel as though it's common for the Psalms to be quoted. I feel like I ask this question fairly regularly, and I don't know as if I recall ever receiving the answer of it's from a psalm. It doesn't happen too often with Paul's letters, but it happens frequently in the Gospels. Okay, okay. I'll have to be on, the, I mean, it, on a better lookout for it the next time, because I feel like it's always, oh, that's Isaiah, or it's a quotation, but we don't know, or so, you know, something like that. Right, and, um, and Jesus most often quotes Isaiah, Mm-hmm. Uh, but the the Psalms are the hymn book um, in the time of Jesus, and so most Jews knew the Psalms by heart by the time they reached a certain age, just by going to synagogue weekly. And so it was a handy source for making a point. And in the Gospels, they often the Psalms were seen as prophecies of what Jesus was going to be doing. Mm. And so when it when a passage says to fulfill the scriptures dot 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 often it's going to be referring to something from the book of Psalms. Hmm. Hmm. So the the main point that Paul is putting down here is um one that I think he comes back to, it's a well that he draws from regularly, which is um, sometimes in different terminology, but essentially stop focusing on the, the here and now, the earthly things the the I'm trying to paint for you, help paint for you this bigger picture, this, this more eternal concept, this, more um, um, godly nature that we have even within ourselves and focusing more on that aspect of our daily lives and less on the the individual very human issues that we have going on um am i r- roughly right on that or yeah. does he yeah. have a little bit more of a, a, a pointed effort in in the specific passage that uh, that that's a little bit more nuanced than um well no there's not a lot of nuance in this passage i'd say um and one of the challenges with second corinthians is that it probably comes from four different letters to the corinthians and Mm -hmm. combined together to form a single document to be passed around that became later known as second Corinthians. So sometimes there's a bit of a jump in topic or mm-hmm. imagery that makes it even by Pauline standards, confusing to read, but we scholars pretty much agree that, yeah, this is Paul and it's Paul at really the height of his theological writings, right around the time that he wrote the um, letter to the Romans. So it's, um, so this passage pretty much is what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. The only nuance that might not be obvious that we talk about frequently on this podcast is he's dealing with the Greek-Roman philosophical perspective of the ideal being the spiritual and the shadow of the ideal being the physical. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um. I do like that phrase, even though I kind of tripped over it. Uh, this for this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Um, really, uh, uh, some some I don't give Paul credit enough for this, uh, th- but that uh, that at least the way that it is translated does a does a very good job of making the first part seem so minute and minor uh, uh, and then blowing it up on the other side of the of the of the phrase uh, yeah. to have such 
importance uh, and and very expansive. So I, I, I kind of like that. And maybe, shoot, maybe that maybe some of the credit uh, goes to the uh, uh, um, interpreters, uh, but uh, but. Uh, that's that, that's a pretty good line right there. Um, yes, it slight is. momentary affliction compared to the eternal weight of glory <laughs> beyond all measure. Uh, um, definitely a, a crescendo there for for the phrase. Right, right. Um, anything you would like to point out from Paul? Um, I'm just giving a quick look again. Um, is that how? Oh, it's even. I'm looking at the Greek. It's even, even. I think better in the Greek than in the translation we have. Mm, okay. Um, because it's no says, no credit to the people who interpreted this. I take it away. <laughs> <laughs> For the momentary lightness of affliction. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Lightness to me sounds even stronger than. Um, slight. Mm-hmm. Um, and the slight momentary affliction to me it 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 implies that it refers to how short a time mm-hmm. the affliction is, whereas mm-hmm. in the Greek it really is more the affliction itself is relatively light compared to eternity. Right. So the momentary affliction could still be, in in this interpretation could still be like I know it's super sucks like you know it, yeah. it very heavy very painful but it's gone and it, yeah I, I i see that that the the translation implying that it it the the emphasis is on the time period of the affliction rather than mm-hmm. the severity of it well and you also lose the um poetical po- poetical that's not a word the poetic <laughs> sure sure it is why not um structure of the lightness of affliction and the weight of glory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's util, utilizing uh, um, uh, disproportionate words, uh, or yeah. I should uh, it, it, that's not disproportionate, but I, I, I think you know what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> the opposites. They're in, uh, there. I mean, it, it's keeping it in the same imagery mm-hmm. family, mm-hmm. whereas in the English translation, it's the meaning. The meaning's there, but I think it's losing some of the poetic um, vocabulary that Paul created. Well, I presume Paul created. He may have even quoted a Greek, quoting a Greek philosopher or something. But, yeah, true, true. Um, but nothing that I've read in commentaries or anything refers to that, which I think someone would have found by now. Yeah. Um, okay, Mark, uh, Mark, chapter three. Let's move on to Mark. Mark chapter 3, verse 20 through 35. And the crowd came together again so that they could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him, for people were saying, He has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of the demons he casts out demons. And he called to them and spoke to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand. But his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins, and whatever blasphemies they utter... But who, and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, He has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they said, sent to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. Um, so we kind of like jump in the middle of a story here. Um, and I don't know if, if for anybody else, if it was a little disconcerting to kind of figure out, like get our bearings. Um, so 
we start off with the crowd coming together. They, it's so, so much that they couldn't even eat. Like so, there were there were a lot of people. Uh, and when his family heard it, they went out to restrain him. Who who's he? Who's Jesus? Who is this? Okay. Um. So um. Yeah, sorry. I'm just really kind of like rereading. I, yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Um, that it but was... it's usually surprising to people to encounter that. Oh, because well, that... in the other gospels, if they're mentioned, the family is supportive. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Mark, not so much. Hmm. Um, I imagine so. <laughs> It's kind of a strange thing. Uh, um, his mothers and his brothers came in, standing outside. They sent uh, to him and called, um, "Your mother and your brothers are, and sisters are outside asking for you." Um, this response would get me in trouble. My <laughs> mom heard it. Who? Basically, who's that? <laughs> my mothers and my, my mother and my brothers are here. Um, I would immediately have to then like. I, I get his point. Um, I would immediately have to get up and then go apologize uh, probably to my mom and be like, I'm so sorry. I'm just trying to prove a point to the crowd. What do you need? And what's going on? <laughs> um, um, what is... So, so big picture of what's going on here. Uh, he just cast out a, 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 a demon. Is this the one where he cast them into a bunch of pigs and they jump off? No, nope, different that... one. <laughs> different one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and uh, of course they see this happen. Um, was it? Why? Why the the leap? The thought to. Um, Beelzebub, like was was casting out demons not a part of the faith at that point in time? Was that uh, was that something that stands out as like, oh, that's not Judaism. That's clearly Beelzebub, um, because it's a scribe who says that. Like, uh, I'm I'm a little confused as to why that would be the the logical leap by a scribe, or is a scribe not necessarily part of the the temple scribes is that would that be different no it's probably the temple scribes um i'm just reading a, a quick note on it um we as modern readers have a lot of trouble with what what are called exorcism stories in the gospels mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and one of the interesting things is that exorcism stories do not really occur in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament. And they don't really occur in the letters of Paul or any of the other letters. They do occur in the book of Acts, which is written again by the author of Luke. So for a lot of Christians, it really does have to do with the unique power and authority of Jesus. Okay. That yeah. it's not an everyday thing. And so part of what the scribes are arguing about is authority. That, mm, okay. You know, they, they don't go around casting out demons. Um, and they have pretty high authority in the temple hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And so who is this dude that is exercising that kind of authority? And, and you know, it's not an illogical guess to say he may be in league with these spirits. Gotcha. And I'm, I'm purposely trying not to use vocabulary that we use today, just to keep mm -hmm. from driving our minds off track. So they're, they're trying to, cons the scribes are trying to figure out how is this even possible? And so I don't think that they are taking a, a great leap 
logically, and I don't think they're lying. I think they really are thinking, you know, the only way this is possible is if he is in cahoots with right. spirits, with these bad spirits. Right. And part of things we have to remember is that, you know, these are not, we're not talking level of the exorcist type movie type of right. um, evil incarnate type things. It's instead more like um, classical European spirits that live under bridges and are mischievous and you don't want to come across one on a dark night in the woods, but don't have the power to steal your soul. Oh, uh-huh. you know, that nowhere does Jesus say, okay, now you're not going to hell because I've done this exorcism. Gotcha. In, instead it's, I'm now freeing you of this power that is destroying your life. And so that's why for modern readers, it's often better to see it, see the exorcism stories as stories of healing and being made whole rather than being freed of, of Satan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the whole, even, even the scribes construct of what it would mean to be in league with these spirits is much more minor league than what we would think of. Right. Right. That's kind of interesting. Um, uh, I mean, um, and, and I think Jesus's point is kind of an interesting one to point out of like, uh, uh, another way to, 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 to say it is rather than like, uh, demons or unclean spirits, um, you know, how could, how could an, one angel go to another angel and say, do this. <laughs> like, yeah. that's not, that's not, uh, that's no more effective than one human being going to another human being and saying like, you need to do this. Like the, 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 the command and the authority is going to be questioned and that's not really how that works. Um, so, and, and, an interesting, um, response of, you know, how can Satan cast out Satan? Um, that, that wouldn't be, that, that's not exactly how that would work. Um, yeah. what's the, what's the actual word in the original, um, cause, cause as we've talked before, uh, Satan's more of a m- more modern construct. I, and so I am assuming the, the word here in verse 23 that's used is something else. Is it just, uh, another reference to evil spirits or. Um, let me just double checking. Uh, yeah in again hard to explain um to a, a a modern brain how this works um but it's like Satan with a almost with a small s, hmm. but in that it it's not an all powerful being, it's not a rival to God, but rather it's a troublemaker. Gotcha, king king troublemaker. Not necessarily. Head. Maybe 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 head trouble troublemaker. Lead, yeah, you lead know, sort of captain of the troublemaker team. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so, um, and part and then, of the irony of verse 26 is, you know, if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. Well, yeah, but not because the house is divided, but because Jesus has come. Right. 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 And so that's one of those foreshadowing pieces that we're, that are supposed to make our ears perk up. Mm-hmm. that Jesus did not have to be in league with the evil spirits in order to overcome them. Instead, gotcha. he's the son of God. And so that happens. Um, I think we would also be doing ourselves a disservice if we didn't address uh, the um, 
portion of this reading that would probably very much surprise people. Uh, the, 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 his, the part of his family that shows up, his mother, not a show, not a surprise. A reference to his brothers right. would be a surprise to some people, I think. Um, right. So what about that? Um, brothers, surely they mean like uh, the apostles, right? Is that, isn't that the, the word for it? Uh, he didn't have brothers. That wasn't a thing. What's going on? <laughs> well, actually, it is the term for brother. Um, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. what's happening here. Okay. In Christian thought, the history of Christian thought there from early times, there was a strong belief in Jesus being born out of a virgin birth Mm -hmm. as theology developed through the centuries. It became important for reasons that are I don't think we're important enough, but church leaders did to make Mary, not just a virgin at the time of Jesus's birth, but for ever. Right. And yet that's not biblical. Um, and actually it does describe in the gospels, um, Mary and his brothers, um, the Roman Catholics, who have a big stake at in having Mary a perpetual virgin, um, will say, well, the, the word really is for any male relative. So these were his cousins. Mm. Um, and so that that's out there. But that that's really stretching it. And mm-hmm. it's just not accurate. Mm. Yeah, and, and honestly, I mean, if you think about it, it what, putting ourselves in the shoes of his family, however you see that, um, what happens, you know, during each and every gospel, uh, uh, as, as it's detailed, would be horribly traumatic for the family as a whole. Um and at least in my mind, um, like wh- what an awful, I should say this, what an awful experience for his mother. If he was in fact, if she was in fact, like, uh, um, gave birth, uh, a virgin stayed a virgin, no other kids in the family and your one singular soul pride and joy uh, this is the story of what happens uh, to him, and 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 you know, all even including all the you know the the glory that's brought to uh, the kingdom of God and the salvation that come to uh, the the all of humanity, still you know would I think leave Mary somewhat empty at at the end, and I think well, yeah. the one. The one uh, uh, solace uh, that this um, this passage uh, um, gives hope to is that perhaps she could still she still enjoyed the joy of seeing her other children uh, continue on and and have and continue to have kids and uh, experience the joy of, uh, of, of grandparenthood and, and not have that. And, you know, when the story ends <laughs> and, yeah. uh, 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 what, you know, what, a what a, uh, uh, what an empty series of years for Mary otherwise. Um, uh, or, or perhaps, but you know, it just, it, it seems to me like there's a little bit of solace in, in, in the idea of like other children, the family um, uh, uh, is it, it still exists, and and she still has some joy in her life after after Jesus resurrects, dies, resurrects, and 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 then leaves the earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's also another dimension of it is that at that time, and it's for some people today, but I don't think so. Um, having giving birth to children is a sign of being blessed by God. And so if 
Mary only had one child, then that would imply that Mary was not blessed by God. Right. Using that or, standard. Or, or or did not at least did not continue to get, be blessed by yeah. God. And so it's it's it was a little mark of reassurance to early Christians that she did have other children, that God mm-hmm. continued to be with her. Um, and one of the things that is in the Bible is James, the brother of Jesus, becoming one of his follow- followers and even a, a leader in the church in Jerusalem after the mm-hmm. resurrection. So it's this isn't the only place where Jesus is described as having brothers. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, with that, with that, that leaves the the possibility, and I'll and I'll quote a, a, a very blasphemous but favorite movie of mine <laughs> that that leaves open the possibility that you out there are the great 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 grandniece of Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, which would be super cool. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and it's actually not bad theology. We all have a bit of DNA of God in us. Yeah, yeah, that'd be that's pretty cool. Yeah, that, that would be a pretty cool thing. Um, but I think uh, with that, we'll have to wrap our. Yeah, uh, eventually, time catches up with us. Uh, lots more could be said about that. Um, uh, about that near throwaway mm-hmm. reference. It's not not exactly a bombshell. Uh, it's just kind of stuck in there uh, yeah. and upsets a, a number of little apple carts uh, that would be interesting <laughs> to talk about. Um, but we will have to call it uh, this year podcast for June 6th, 2021, the second Sunday after Pentecost. As always, tons of stuff going on uh, at the church. Uh, um, so feel free to visit our website, holyfamilyfishers.org. Uh, to see what all's going on. Our 10 o'clock a.m. Sunday church service will be broadcast live on our YouTube channel, which is HFEC Videos. Uh, and until next week, and been, and oh, 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 we are oh. meeting in person at 8 and 10. And, and 10 o'clock mm-hmm. now does have congregational singing with masks on and mm-hmm. refreshments following the service. Yeah, uh, lots of signs of normalcy returning, even if in abnormal ways uh yeah. we're, we're getting there incrementally we're getting we're getting closer which is yeah. very exciting so uh until next week i'm ben and i'm bruce and we'll talk to you then bye-bye bye